You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at home and abroad. And uh, I had a book sent to me recently, and all I can say is that from the first line in the book, it grips you. Three brothers are at a funeral. One lies in the coffin. And you have to wait and wait and wait to find out which one is in the coffin. And that's one of the page turners in it. And I have to say, one of the other aspects of the page turning in it is that at a whole lot of points through the story, you could jump to a conclusion and say, logically, he'd be the one in the coffin. And that's the great storytelling talent that Liz Nugent has. This is, not, this is Liz's fourth book. Uh, she had Skin Deep, Unraveling Oliver, and Lying in Wait, and now Little Cruelties. And uh, it is hitting the North American market around now. Ideal timing for the Christmas. And uh, I have the honour and pleasure of sitting here having a chat with Liz. Liz, thanks a million for taking the time to come along. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's great. So, <clears throat> for, this is your fourth book, yeah. and the other three have not gone without accolades. Um, so I, I know I could spend our total time talking about all the accolades that you have received on the previous books. So I'm going to actually ask you to do the Coles notes before we get up to Little, little Cruelties. To tell you how, what I've won and what yeah, I've... How, no, how not, not, uh, notorious you are with your... <laughs> Oh my God! Oh well, it sounds like you get an actual license to boast. <laughs> but okay, uh, my first novel, Unraveling Oliver, Oliver, won Crime Novel of the Year at the Irish Book Awards, and then my second novel, Lying in Wait, won the Radio Listener's Choice Award at the Irish Book Awards, and then my third novel, Skin Deep. Um, won Crime Novel of the Year and Radio Listener's Choice Award at, at the Irish Book Awards. But I'm sorry to say the Irish Book Awards were last night for this year and uh, Our Little Cruelties, the book that we're talking about, even though it was um, nominated, it didn't win. Well. So, but, you know, I, you know, I can't be greedy. <laughs> <laughs> I've been lucky enough, and uh, so, but the the phenomenal reaction to it and the sales figures are phenomenal, and I, I think, without being too boasty, that I have sold more than the person that won. So, not taking away from that win, I think it's fantastic. That book is called After the Silence by Louise O'Neill. Highly recommended, but I think I sold more than her. So. <laughs> Going back to when you were national school, secondary school, university, where did the hook happen for writing? For writing, um, I don't think the hook happened so much in... Well, I was always a reader. I mean, that that was one thing. I was always a reader. And I spent a lot of time in hospital because I had, had various injuries and disability and all kinds of things that happened during my very early life. So I um, I was a reader from an early stage. Because I think now when kids go into hospital, they go in with their Xbox or their iPhone or their, you know, whatever gadget. But in my day, I'm 53 now, in my day we only had books <clears throat> to keep us entertained. So uh, I read everything. Because I was in the hospital for very long periods of time, and I read everything. And then when I came home, I read 
everything that, that was on my parents' bookshelves, and even books that would have been quite inappropriate for, you know, an eight or nine-year-old or whatever. I remember reading Jaws and The Godfather, and when I was probably 10 or 11, where one or two of them were confiscated by the nuns in school. <laughs> but um, uh, I, I don't remember being horrified by them or, you know, Doris's head on the bed scene was pretty pretty out there, but it didn't gross me out. And there's actually a lot more sex in the, the book of Jaws than there is in the film. But because I was so young, that kinda of went over my head. I didn't I didn't really know what was going on. So um yeah, I would always say to people don't really don't try not to censor your children's reading yeah. because um if they don't get it, they won't get it. That's you right. know? So so then, um, where did the hook for crime um, thriller, and I will go into the family relationships after, uh, because okay. that is certainly a fascinating aspect of this book, um, but where did the hook for crime then come from? Well, even going back to when I was a child, when, when we were doing school plays, um and we would we would do like the Sleeping Beauty or Cinderella, or whatever. And I always wanted to be the witch. I never wanted to be the princess. And everybody else, all the other girls in the class, wanted to be the princess. Right. And uh, nobody wanted to be the witch. And I thought the witch was a far more interesting character. So um, I think the hook for crime came from that, an interest in the dark side. And and I really want to know why she was a witch, what it was like growing up in a witch family, were her parents witches and warlocks and, you know, how do you become a witch? And <laughs> So I had, I would build up a backstory for this witch character, you know. Uh, so I just, I think I've always been interested in the dark side. And plus growing up in Ireland in the 1980s was a pretty dark time. Um, even globally, I, I was afraid. I mean, I turned 12, I think, in 1980, and I, I was afraid for most of the 80s, certainly the first part of the 80s, because I was living in fear of nuclear war, which was a constant threat with the Falklands War that was going on and the, the arms race between Russia and America and that kind of stuff. And the Pope um, survived an assassination attempt. Ronald Reagan survived an assassination attempt. John Lennon was shot dead on a city street in New York. So there was, there was a lot of things that were happening. There was a lot of dark things that were happening in Ireland as well. Um, I, I, you know, your Canadian listeners won't be familiar with them, with them but, you know, if, if I just mentioned the Kerry Babies case, they mm-hmm. can look that up. Mm-hmm. Or the Anne Lovett case, mm-hmm. they can look that up. Uh, or you know the, the history of Anne Lovett in Granard, and um, they can look that up and they can find out you know these awful, awful things that happened to uh, particularly women in in Ireland. And plus, in Ireland in the in the nineteen eighties, we were a country that didn't uh, that had a ban on divorce contraception, abortion, rape within marriage was not illegal. Um, there, w- there was, you know, it was illegal to be a homosexual. 
um, it, it was there, there was it was just a, a state that was controlled by the church, and finally, kind of now that we've we've shaken those shackles off for good or ill you know the church did a lot of good in in ireland in terms of education and running hospitals and all of that kind of thing too but no doubt they were responsible for the suppression of particularly women and women's rights Mm -hmm. and so when i come to write the books most of the books funny enough that i write are set in the 80s and um, they're about people growing up during that era and I think it's because I grew up in that area era, and so I write what I know, you know So when we come to Little Cruelties and the characters in Little Cruelties did you know any of them? I know it's a horrid question, did you know any of them? No, they're all they're all fictitious no. they're all absolutely fictitious I have four brothers the three the little cruelty centers around three brothers um but and I have four brothers and four sisters see no contraception <laughs> and uh, um so I you know I'm one of nine children and um uh Thankfully, none of my brothers or sisters are remotely like the awful three brothers I write about in Little Cruelties. So, (laughs) if none of them are like that, um, the characters that you were able to build are so real that it would lead one to believe that you have encountered such people, whether it be professionally, whether it be out in the world, whether and I'm not saying anyone in particular, but different aspects of people's personality that you then uh, crystallized into one of the characters. Sure. Well, uh, Will, the one who grows up to be a film producer, I did work for a man like that at one stage. Now, he didn't sexually harass me, but he kind of bullied me. Um Badly, quite badly. Um, so one of the characters is definitely based on him. Uh, Brian, the one who's really tight with money, we've all dated like him. Um, you know, God Almighty. Um, <laughs> when you say when you say that, I have what comes into my head is where he takes uh, his. Uh, hopefully girlfriend out for lunch and he brings the sandwiches the day when it's his, <laughs> yeah. when it's his turn yeah exactly and, and and I did date a guy for years who like his his idea of a date was bringing me to his mother's house for Sunday lunch Right. I worked six days I worked in the theatre so I worked six days a week and Sunday was my only day off and I had to spend it going to his mother's house, <laughs> and that was the date. Oh my god! So yeah, you know, I so there's certain people based on certain people, but um, luckily they won't they, they won't be hearing this because they won't be, <laughs> they won't recognize they won't recognize themselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. people actually never really recognize themselves. Yeah. Plus, not in Canada, so they won't hear this. <laughs> so um, the. Plot as you developed it, and yeah. the twists and turns that are in the plot. And I'm very conscious that in our conversation we have no intention of revealing anything. No. No. <laughs> you read the book to find out what's on the next page. You and I are not going to tell anybody. <laughs> but, but the plot from start to finish, 
uh, is epitomized in the opening line. The three brothers were at a funeral and one of them was in the box. Yeah, but one of us was in the box. One of us, yes. And that's the other interesting thing is that what you've done then is you've gone back in time and you have talked from pre this date that the, the start happens. Yeah. So, yeah, it starts with the funeral and one of the brothers in the coffin and the two others are there. And um, one of them is narrating, you know, how he thinks he thinks he probably got away with it. So the question immediately is, which brother's in the coffin and which brother killed him? So then we go back in time. Um, backwards and forwards. I mean, the story is not linear by any means. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that annoys people, but it actually really works like mm-hmm. such a, like a jigsaw puzzle because um, gradually you see how the pieces fit, to, fit together. And so we go back to their like dates, random dates in their lives. Um, like when they were very small children fighting over uh, who got more peas on their plate for dinner than, than the other child, or um, a Halloween party that goes horribly wrong when one of the children takes his his Jesus complex far too seriously. And, um, yeah, I won't spoil that. But no, don't, don't. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a there's a, a scene where the whole family go to the Bob Dylan concert in Slane Castle in mm-hmm. 1984, and I was there, so I can attest to to being uh, a, a, an eyewitness of uh, of that concert. But obviously, I, I I didn't meet anybody like the characters in the book at that concert. But I just thought it'd be interesting to take take little snapshots of Ireland at, at various different stages from. Oh, I suppose the early 70s right up to present day, right up to, you know, the Me Too scandal and the equal marriage referendum. And so all of those are sort of covered in the book in, in different ways. But none, it's, it, none of this, none of it is issue based. It's not about issues. It's not about equal rights. It's not about sexism or Me Too. It's about these three boys who grow up um, in the same family, with the same uh, education, and how different they turn out to be in the end because of the way they are treated as children by their parents. And that, that is a kind of a, 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 a theme of mine, um, really. I suppose it's, you know, how are sociopaths and psychopaths made you know are they are they made or are they born and my theory is that they are made by their mm-hmm. circumstances mm-hmm. so um yeah so it goes back into their history so you know exactly why they end up as they end up so Liz, you, men- you, you mentioned there that you didn't write this in a linear fashion and that in this particular yeah. case that works where do you come to that conclusion when you're writing to say non-linear will carry the story better? Um, 
I think in this case, I didn't really even think about it. I mean, I wrote it pretty much as it is. I didn't, um, I, I didn't write it in a linear way and then throw it up in the air and make a jigsaw out of it. I, I, I wrote it pretty much as is because I wanted, I wanted certain things. I wanted Brian's character in particular to be a surprise, and I think it is a surprise to the to the reader when they finally get to him. Um, I won't spoil anything by say, but he is not as he appears. Um, uh, I, I, I think, Liz, it's fair to say none of them are as they appear <laughs> to be. <laughs> so. No, this is true. This is true. Uh, yeah, they all have different sides to them, and they're all uh, very different, um, very different characters. But um, I, I think to an outsider meeting them, You'd be hard pressed to say that they were related to each other, let alone, you know, grow up in the same household with the same parents. Right, right. Because they turn out so differently. Right. Liz, we're going to have to wrap up. We're running out of time. And uh, the book is published. Simon and Schuster have it in Canada. And it's available, I'm sure, at all good booksellers and uh, through your own website. And if you want to give the housekeeping details. Oh, um, I don't know what the housekeeping details are. When I um, well, yours is LizNugent.ie. Oh yes, yeah, sorry, my <laughs> website LizNugent.ie. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Lizzie Nugent, and I said that I.E. Nugent, and I'm on Facebook just at Liz Nugent. So, um, I, yeah, I'd love to to hear from readers, particularly if they enjoyed it. If you didn't enjoy it, you can keep that information to yourself. <laughs> But um, it's it's um, I I would say it's not uh, it's it's not for the faint heart. There's no. nothing nothing. There's no violence. There is no incest. There is no child abuse. There is child neglect to a certain mm-hmm. extent, but it is not a gruesome horror read. But it is not a pleasant happy ending. They all lived happily ever after together. Read either, but I think um, I think well. I hope that you will find it extremely intriguing. And um, thank I, you. For I, I have to say, I did. Now, what are you working on at the moment? Uh, well, I just I've just been working on the screenplay for for this same book for Little Cruelties. Um, uh, fingers crossed, Netflix are going to come on board and make it in the night. Now, when I say they come on board. Even when they do come on board, it, it takes, I think somebody told me, it takes 10 years from from writing the book to to uh, coming to the screen. So let's not hold our breath. Sure. And uh, and um, if it doesn't happen, you'll have forgotten I said this anyway. <laughs> but I have um, the, the other two of the other books, Unraveling Oliver and Lying in Wait, or it looks like they are going into production. So, um, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it, both TV series, I think. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite um, excited about that. So. And again, to keep up to date, LizNugent.ie is the website. And Liz, I want to thank you for taking the time to have a chat. It's been great meeting you and getting to know you. Thank you, Austin. Thank you so much. It was lovely to meet you. <laughs>